good people of Los Angeles and those on horizontal, vertical, or other shaped screens in this dimension or the next. Tonight on the FCFC pod, we got a boy named Alfonso, got a boy named Kevin. One is a player, one is a incredible creative individual. The two of them combined for one of our favorite episodes in quarantine or out of it. Man, we go all the way to Brazil, talk about Atletico Paranaense for all you Syria A, Brasilia, Syria A fans out there. We talk about Oakland. We talk about the boogie down Bronx. We talk about what it means to be part of a soccer community. You guys already know the type of shit we discussed. Slam, I already swore, but can you hit him with the warning? Ladies and gentlemen, we are all at home because we're not allowed to go anywhere. So there are no helicopters flying over. There are some fireworks because Dwee's still out in the hood and they popping them off in, in May to make sure they got, you know, you got to do the practice shots in May if, if 4th of July is around the corner. Um, and as per usual, ladies and gentlemen, we do have potty mouths. We do intend to use them. So if you're around children or working from home, I don't even know what the hell, like, uh, yeah, don't listen to us around kids because we cuss unless you cuss around your kids, then you're doing a good job because you're teaching them realities. Put them in. Fuck everything, West Side. <laughs> FCFC. Welcome to the FCFC pod, where two scholars and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. Uh, another one from home, guys. So sitting on my screen in Koreatown, Los Angeles, is Josh Sexy Land Spice. What up? Sitting right under me in <laughs> Exposition Park in his backyard, where we usually record, and I miss that backyard so much, is... Uh, Bearded Dweez. How you doing, Dweez? What up, y'all? And uh, in in the spirit of uh, APAAHM, I think that's the right acronym. Um, Way to butcher you know, it, Sam. We, Good job. <laughs> we, uh, we brought some Asian-American cats that are doing some dope things in, in you know, in, in the lanes that they're in. Um, we have creative director of Oakland Roots and uh, the director of the um, Lee Wynn documentary, uh, Mr. Alfonso Bowie, is in on the screen with us today. And, uh, and to his left or right, I don't know where he's at, but uh, uh, someone that's been in the NISA um, making waves when LAFC was an affiliate with OCSC. Uh, this guy was out in the club. Uh, we have Mr. Kevin Jun on the, the screen today. Welcome, guys. We're glad to have you, dude. How you guys doing? 
Cheers, cheers. If anyone has a drink, raise it up real quick. Cheers. If anyone's hey. if anyone's sipping on their 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 nice little teas over here too, we we're hey. we're tea we're teapotting. We're teapotting. Yo, I'm, um, I'm tea deprived these days, Dweez. I like, know you I'm, are. I know you man. are. I'm, I'm I'm drinking deprived because without the podcast, I hardly ever drink. So yeah. I'm just getting yeah. too cracked out on tea out here. You guys know what it is. <laughs> uh, so we got Alfonso and Kevin Mann. Um, I'm so glad to have you guys. It's really cool. You know, we, we've had people on the podcast that I know before, too. And so it's like, oh, I get to see you digitally. But now I'm actually getting to meet new people uh, via this, this wonderful Zoom technology. Uh, and, I, and I think that that's really special. But uh, if you guys have never heard the podcast, the question we always open with, uh, we'll start with you, Alfonso, just because you're, you're first on my screen. And then we'll hit Kevin after this. Is what's your uh, first football memory? Whoo, first football memory... 1998 World Cup, um, my dad, this was before I was even into soccer, but my dad had this Brazilian friend and he would just come over to the apartment in the BX and he and my dad would just watch the World Cup together. And I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't even into footy at that time, but I kind of planted the seed in my head of kind of, you know, we're all one multiculturalism, like there's, you know, color is just a social construct kind of thing. And um, I mean, it was, yeah, man. I remember vividly my, my dad's friend would come over and he would come over with like the black and white soccer ball, you know, that when you kick around, it becomes fuzzy that they always <laughs> use on, on the covers of like soccer books about socioeconomic inequality, shit like that. So, <laughs> so that, that's my first memory. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Or do you remember any games from that world from that World Cup? Any any specific like do you, does anything flash through your mind on that front? To be honest, uh, no. Like in terms of like vivid memories, um, probably I, I came into the game late in two thousand two. Obviously, South Korea made made a big splash. Like I don't I don't need to tell this this crew here uh, how big that was, but um, <laughs> that that. That had a profound impact on me as an Asian American um, mm. growing up in the Bronx. You know, like we, I didn't have many kind of people who looked like me growing up. So um, yeah. Well, yeah, we're gonna definitely get into touch on some of those topics you talked about. Yeah, man, tell us about the Bronx. Growing up in the Bronx, this is this is wild. I mean, I know you're out in Oakland now, but um, yeah, you are in, you are you're coming live from Oakland, aren't you, right now? <laughs> man, this is where my fake flex ends. So. Uh, yeah, I'm from the Bronx, and I relocated to Napa. Uh, <laughs> Yo, shout out Napa Valley in the house. Right? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I came out here because I, I was freelancing with MLS and U.S. soccer for years, and my girlfriend got a pretty sick job out here. Um, she's nice. an art therapist, and, and she works with um, pretty much like a incarcerated um, population, and trying to help them through their mental struggles and whatnot. So um, I was like, you know what? Like West Coast has been a dream of mine to kind of change up. Nice. Yeah. And um, so that's how I ended up out here. And um, Oakland Roots was just, I mean, I remember they put teasers out for a long time. And um, it, it, I don't know, man. Like Oakland Roots was, it was serendipity, long and short of it. Like it's, because they, they, the thing with the hood is like, you got to keep it real. You got to keep it authentic. Like people see right through the bullshit. So when I found out about Oakland Roots, I hit them up. I was like, 
let's see if we could collab together. And they were all about authenticity, all about, you know, challenging assumptions, you know, like letting, letting the folks on the ground level dictate the narrative, you know, cause for a long time and, and still like, I think, I, I don't know if I would say soccer culture in America is young, but we still let people dictate the narrative, whether it's Twitter or IG or this or that, like, it's easy for people to think this is hot because someone says it's hot. And, you know, I, I studied sociology in college. I'm always trying to deconstruct things like that. And, um, you know, it maybe it's not my place to deconstruct what soccer in America is, but, you know, I'm down for challenging assumptions. And, you know, I love what's going out and going on in LA and LAFC. Like it's, you guys, you guys built your own thing from, from the ground level, like brick by brick, bro. Like it's sick. Like all the sisters and brothers out there, like what y'all doing is amazing. Yeah, and that, that's kind of why I feel like there are so many people that kind of saw Oakland roots from afar and and saw that the 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 thought process and and you know the heart for what you guys are trying to do in the community were similar. And I think that's why Josh reached out. And you know, I think. It, it goes hand in hand and you're the one that's portraying that story. So who else, who else better to, to let us know about that story, you know? Yeah. But I think Kevin's back. Yep. I'm back. You guys hear me now? Yes, yeah, sir. Dude. All right, cool. All right. We're at the memory, right? First um, football memory. First yes, football memory. Uh, mine was like, I grew up, I grew up in Koreatown. So born and raised in Koreatown. So Yay. like every other Korean kid, not just kids, but I was a kid back then. I was like, what, eight years old. Man, that, that 2002 World Cup, waking up at yes. 2, 3 in the morning, going to Radio Korea, watching those games, and having the whole community out there just yelling so top fun. of our lungs. Man, I'm getting goosebumps talking right now. But, so uh, would you say that was – Would you that's say – yeah, that, that was what started your, your that's journey? That's what started. Into yeah, exactly. Oh, man. That's my first that's memory, so and then, boom, that's how it kick-started. And then, you know, Park Sung to golf. Exactly. And, you know, you're going to be the next – She's on Park of MLS, bro. Let's oh, go. man, I'm hoping so, man. <laughs> I'm hoping so. <laughs> That's so That's funny because, like, I've, I've talked to so many Koreans about this, and we just all do, like, bar conversations, you know, drinking beer and shit. Yeah. Kevin can actually do this shit. So it's, like, it's really fun to, like, actually talk to you right now, Kev. Like, oh, hell yeah. Dude, you're, we, got, we got all the support behind you. I didn't know you were born, like, you're from K-Town through and through, man. But, hey, was yeah. there watch parties before 02 at Radio Korea? I'm trying to figure uh-huh. this out, like. I don't think so. I think O2 was like the first major where they had like yeah. a big screen up and all that. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I've been doing my research, man, through, you know, on O2. I've been kind of rewatching games and stuff because it, it seems Me like that too. time. But, yeah. <laughs> I miss soccer so much. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's honestly the best way. Like you just go have to go. You can't look forward to it. You have to look, you have to go back. Right. And so oh, that's right. what I've been doing. And, um, and O2, like, people don't, like, don't realize like, the history, but, like, I mean, they know how crazy it is, but Korea had never won a group stage game in the history of their appearances in the World Cup. Yeah, and man. then all of a sudden, O2, it's like freaking lightning in a bottle, man, and cheating yeah. and freaking ama- incredible generations <laughs> of players. And it it still just goes to you, show how, how scared Koreans are to, like, lose face in front of their people, you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 Koreans will never lose face. Bro. Dishonor, yeah. never. So prideful, so prideful, <laughs> dude. Hell yeah! I mean, to take it from LA K Town back to the Bronx, man. And um, I grew up in Jersey and Queens of uh, Alfonso out there, so I know like 
the BX is a, it's still kind of a hard, difficult place for kind of Asian, Asian folk out there still. Like it's still one of the least populated, I think in the Asian American, like an Asian-ness like wise in, in the five boroughs. And I know that like the big, um, the big homies, the big youngs who like took care of me, like one of them was from the Bronx and like he walked different and he talked different and he was really kind of, he had a, a, a closeness with the black community out there and the Hispanic community out there that like a lot of us didn't like, didn't have in, out in Queens because he just had to interact with a different kind of um, people every day. But like, what, what, what did you think your um, young Bronx self would think about you as a, as a soccer creator and as, as an avid lover of this game now, man? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, de you definitely hit the nail on the head. Like I think statistically in the Bronx, Asians make up, like one percent of the population in the boogie, so like obviously we're gonna gravitate right, in the more. boogie. That was that was kind of hard in the boogie. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, that was kind of hard. <laughs> Go on, sir. <laughs> um, so obviously we're gonna gravitate towards the culture that that is around us, right? So I think it's like sixty-six percent uh, Latino being like Boricua people and Dominicano. Yeah. And, um, and then the other 33 is, is black culture. And um, I mean, if you just play the numbers game, right? Like I'm not going to watch TRL. Like I'm not going to vibe towards that. I'm going to vibe towards the hood. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love New York culture, basketball, like end one, this and that, Rucker Park and all that. But um, I think growing up, I want to say I had an identity crisis, but um, I had to find my own lane and that, that 2002 world cup for real, like it had a big impact on me and it made me kind of branch out more and hop on the train and, and go to your neck of the woods, Josh, you know, hop on the seven train and, and go to Queens, yeah. uh, check out the different cultures, Koreatown out there. Um, I mean, we had a Koreatown in, in, in the Bronx called Bedford park. Yeah. There's yeah. Yeah. Lots tons of there. Yeah. And like, I didn't even know that was in my backyard. So um, I think, the soccer thing, it's not weird because as soon as I kind of branched out more, I realized beyond basketball, beyond baseball, there was a love for soccer there with the Mexican community and, and the Asian American community that I, that I did find. So, um, I mean, yeah, that, that's the long and short of it, bro. Yeah, man. I, I think that's, that's super powerful, man. I feel like New Yorkers, will gravitate around, you know, an international tournament because how international city is. But in the day-to-day -day of it, I think basketball just took so much of the lifeblood all the time, right, that I'm just playing pickup basketball. That's all I'm thinking about, right? And so, like, when you hear – like, it's mostly in the, the kind of the Latin homies out there who are, like, you know, out there playing soccer and stuff like that. But it does take a World Cup. It does take maybe, you know, an Asian player on a team um, to really kind of activate the understanding that we always talk about here on the pod where it's like – you realize like I'm, I'm now like investing into like 150 year old culture, you know, of football culture in whether that started in England or wherever else, like just like now I'm part of this conversation and like the history and the mythology is so rich, you know? And I think that's been the exciting part of it. It's like, we get to both you, I mean, both, both, both of you as guests here can, can attest to that. It's like, you are reinventing and recreating things about soccer culture and football culture here in the States that have never been seen before. And I think that's a really, that's part of what we really enjoy in the podcast, man. That's that's truly one of the fun things why we get to plug an episode in and out is like we get to add to this conversation. 
Yeah, for sure. And like, to, just sure. to add on to that, um, I mean, this is Asian American Pacific Heritage Month, right? But this is something we need to think about all year long because, you know, for me and Kevin, like 2002 had such a big impact. And, you know, we need to think on the micro and macro level, like what can we do as Asian Americans every day to kind of show our younger homies open doors to like different opportunities or like let them know that, you know, this is a pathway that, that you might consider. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. So, Kevin, oh, oh, go, go, ahead. go ahead, Slim. You got it, Slim. No, I, I was just wondering, like, so from that 2002 World Cup, like, mm -hmm. and then your journey, I'm guessing maybe like AYSO or something to NISA, like, can you tell me about a little bit? Oh, about man. No, I did not take that traditional route, man. My dad, okay. put, me in some, my dad put me straight into the Mexican leagues, man. You're okay. He knew where the top was. Hell yeah. He put me. He because because my parents. Long story short, my parents emigrated from uh, South Korea to Brazil, and okay. then Brazil to America. So he's he had that South American. He knew where it was at. Um, yeah. Um, so he was it's always like, you know grouping with me with like Brazilians. Yeah, he was always grouping <laughs> with like Brazilians and stuff. And then he found like a local Mexican league, and that's where I started. Um, and I just I just picked it up there. Um, and then my family moved down to Irvine, Irvine, California, or in Orange County. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was about 14 and then um, I you know I took it serious out here because they got pretty good clubs out here like club teams yeah yeah so um, yeah man after that I you know freshman year of high school I, I spoke to my parents and uh, I, I'm actually grateful for my parents you know the, the typical Asian American parent they don't let you kind of venture out and follow your dreams but yeah. uh, <laughs> I think I think my parents they uh they spent their whole lives, I think, I'm pretty sure with you guys too, um, you know, sacrificing everything they had to have a better life for us, right? So they they were 100% behind me. They were like, hey, if you want to do whatever you want to do, just go for it. We're right behind you. So uh, they actually sent me out to Brazil. And I went out to Brazil. I, I oh, learned yeah. a lot out there. Yeah, I learned a lot out there. I was out there for like two and a half years. I had, you know, all my family is in Brazil or in, in America. I have no family in Korea. Oh, wow. So uh, I was out there so, with my cousins. Um, and I was just balling out there with, like, a pretty legit team, just, like, learning, you know. Uh, I was, you know, I had, like, a notebook. I was learning so much out there, man. Ballers. Um, so so I'm guessing back, your, your, yeah. your family, uh, your parents were in the fashion garment industry when oh, they got to America? Oh, my dad. <laughs> okay, okay. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell so yeah. So that grind, I mean, that grind to get from wherever you were to, to Irvine, I, I, I can imagine was uh, definitely an uphill battle for them too. So I, I definitely, yeah, get man, it. definitely. Yeah. They're in the garment district and we took a big hit, but uh, yeah, man, they decided to uh, open a sushi restaurant out here. Um, so we, nice. we moved out here. Yeah, man. Awesome. So man. There, yeah. I'm, I'm going to cue the next section because Dweez will be asking you about Brazil for the next 20 minutes. So Dweez, <laughs> yeah, How did you know? How did you already yeah. know? Let's How do it. The chemistry, you, the chemistry, baby. Let's are go. you saying? Are you saying you're queuing it up? Like you're yeah. ready for me to do it, or you're preventing me from doing it? No, no. Please run that shit. Yeah. So me and Josh are just gonna be quiet and give reactions, like, oh, <gasps> <laughs> the next like twenty minutes. <laughs> no, Kevin. I'm, I'm take Kevin a I mean, real quick. I, don't know. I definitely, I definitely over, I over, uh, probably estimate and hype. I mean, you spent two and a half years in Brazil. I spent a total of like nine months in Brazil. So oh, well, it was definitely okay. like a less you know less time and i was by no means balling out with uh with any amazing footballers down there i was mostly mm -hmm. just trying to trying to find the best music um because that was kind of oh, my lane sick. while i was there 
I did some coverage for like spin magazine when I was there and I did okay. just like a ton of like blogging and writing, but yeah, I was, I was like 22 years old chasing sounds and ladies of, you know, of Brazil <laughs> as we all would um, and playing it, playing, you know, soccer was a distant third, although I've always loved the game, but mm-hmm. where were you? Which city were you in? I mean, give, give us a little, so, let's peek into that life a little bit. Yeah. So I have family out in Sao Paulo. Um, my parents, they emigrated to Rio. Um, but yeah, we have family, I have come family out in Sao Paulo. So we went out to Sao Paulo for a bit and through a family friend, um, I joined a team in Curitiba. Ooh, Curitibano. Are you Atletico Paranaense or are you Curitiba? That's who I played for. That's who I played oh, Paranaense. For. I played for Paranaense, yeah. Eh, I lived, hey, the, the weird thing is I lived right next to the Curitiba Stadium, but I played for Atletico. Hey, hold on. Yeah. I, you know what? You guys, you guys talk amongst yourself. I got to whip out something for Kevin real quick. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> Damn, we got we got some we got some guests. Yeah, here. did you see? I was on mute, dog. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, man. I, did, I had no idea about the Korean Brazil diaspora to LA. So, if there's that, ever yeah. a, a Korean uh, that came from Brazil or Argentina, yeah. most likely they're coming up in the garment industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. Oh, oh yes. Yes. Wait, yo, Dewey, do you remember the, Does he have the, the, the yellow warm-ups? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I've seen all the colors and all the things, but yeah, this was yeah. uh, th- this. That's sick. This was actually my, right, this this was actually my dad's, my pop's jersey. Um, I've got another one. We had a, I'm, I have like a ton of like close connections. Not, I, I want to say like close connections within the club, but Dewey, like, yeah, I've got family friends medium. who love. <laughs> Sorry, what, Dewey, what, what, what? You didn't explain okay. what you I just whipped out for Kevin and Rick I just too. wanted to show Kevin that I knew which club he was talking about because I whipped yeah. out That's the real I kit. For. I think yep. this was from uh, I want to say this was from 2000. What year would it have been? It would have been 2008. I want to say is it their 2008 kit right here? I think it could I be think wrong. So yeah, I think you're but right. So, it's crazy so the that you thing, would have it. Yeah, that's the crazy big, that you have that. <laughs> Come on, man! You came on the FCFC pod. You got expect. <laughs> so, um, the thing for those of you who you know who don't know, like Flamengo is the biggest team in Brazil, right? Like you see red and black everywhere you go in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter which part of the country you're in. You could be all the way up in the north, you know. And Brazil is this huge country, but you'll see these Flamengo jerseys everywhere. Um, and as I've said on the podcast before, although Brazilians love their national team, they ride super hard for their club team. So you, you will find like a ton of Brazilian club jerseys. So they're red and black. So often people forget uh, the Atletico Paranaense do, do the thinner stripes usually. And they're also red and black. Uh, and Curitiba is kind of the biggest city down south, sort of closest to uh, Argentina. So you went so, hipster mode and you were like, I want the red and black, but I'm, I'm going to do. Well, I bro, I didn't buy, I didn't, I I didn't the buy these ones. kids, man. These kids were gifted to me, brother. These kids were gifted to me. All right. I don't, yeah. I don't have no kids I bought myself. They're all oh, gifts. Oh, damn. Oh, no, I'm, just yeah. I'm just kidding. I, I, I just, I want to stop talking about myself because the listeners are tired of hearing about my stupid stories. Kevin, tell us what it was like to play for Atletico Paranaense because that's fucking crazy. Oh, it was sick, man. It was sick. I, you know, I never played for the first team, obviously, because I was there for youth. Um, but they gladly took me in. I kept up with the pace, and they, you know, they taught me a lot. It was, it was nothing compared to what I was dealing with out here, you know, in, in L.A. and in, in Orange County. So I was just happy I was out there learning all the stuff they're teaching me. Um, 
But yeah, man, going with the jersey, the red and black and stuff. I remember going to every first team game at the stadium. And I remember I was so scared because one time they were playing Gremio. Gremio was like a sky blue. And they had a sky blue hoodie on. And they were like, yo, like, take that off. Like, because out there it's like games, man. Like, that's how yeah. serious. Like, they'll, they'll come after you. So it's like, that's that was wild. my first memory of, of all of that. And so that was crazy. That's too funny, man. That's too yeah. funny, dude. That, no, that's I, Kevin. I, I love that you had that experience. And when you said, you know, I, I, I didn't take the traditional route. I wasn't expecting you to say all that, but, uh-huh. but yeah, man. Now that now that you've like gone on this on this journey and and you're at where you're at now, like, do you when you meet other people, are are their minds as blown as ours are? Or, and and are, is your journey as unique as it sounds to me? Or are there plenty of kids who've mm. like kind of like been shipped off to different countries and like right? That's, randomly, a, that's a great question. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a great question. So I've been talking to a few uh, younger kids. I do private lessons for kids, um, but I've been talking to like, I want to say 15, 16 year olds. And now it's like a norm. What I did, the route I took, um, I went to Brazil. I came back um, and then I finished up high school. I tested out of high school. That was a tough one to get the parents to agree on, but I tested out of high school and I was like, I'm playing ball. Like, this is what I want to do. So they, um, I went with my dad. I was like, we got to go to Spain. So I went to Spain with no connection. Wow. We cold, we cold called, like we, I just did it, man. And then I got, I landed on a team. I, I made my own way. Um, I spent like two, three seasons out there. And then my last year before I came back to America was in Germany. But, uh, Yo, you have now, to have the downest Korean parents I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> yeah, man. This there, shit is wild. Else. There's something else. There's something else. I'm so grateful Holy for them. Holy shit. All right, go on, man. My mind yeah, but Dwayne, to answer your question, um, younger kids now, it, it's a norm going overseas and just kind of going on teams and playing out there and doing all that. It's a norm now. Um, when I speak to people my age or older, they're like, Whoa, man, like that's, that's sick that you did that. Yeah. Like, no one really does that. But now all these kids are like, you know, like there's companies now, business opening up programs, international programs or whatnot. So, I mean, I see a lot of kids just going out there and playing ball now, but when, when I was out there, it was maybe I met one American kid playing for Atletico Madrid, but that was it. Yeah. I mean, but that's, it's what's, what's wild about it, right. Is like Alfonso, you know, he was talking about how, you know, growing up watching the 98 world cup and the international element coming into his household. And -hmm. now you're talking about going out and seeing football out there. And I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the definition of like what this game does. It brings you out and it come, you know, it pulls the world into you and it pulls you out to the world. Um, And I think we can all relate to that in different ways. Uh, Mm -hmm. But Alfonso, I also wanted to just, to shout out i had seen i think pieces of the lee win documentary before winning and then i watched the whole thing uh, in preparation for this uh and i just man i just want to compliment you on doing an incredible job first of all uh and you know linking together the the vietnamese story inside of it was tough to do in 20 minutes i'm sure that was you know probably you had enough footage or you could talk to him about stories of playing in that league alone for like a good hour. Um, but I, I've got to sp- spoke, spoken with Lee many times here um, since he was an LAFC player, always a cordial dude, always a guy who went about his business um, on the field and then off it was like very giving with his time. But uh, yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about how that project came to be and just, you know, how it turned out and, and the experience of making that? Yeah, sure. Um... So I've been following Lee's career for a long time because we're pretty much the same age. And um, 
I think in the mid 2000s, like getting the Gatorade player of the year in America was like, that was like, that was big time shit. Like if you got that, you knew like your career was going to be on the up and up. And uh, so Lee had got that. And he had also come from the Dallas Texans, which. um, They're a big team. Yeah. Yeah, well known. Produced a lot of players like um like Breck Shea, um Alejandro Bedoya. Um and they were coached by um damn, I forget his name, but he was on the Iranian national team, the semi- Yeah, yeah. Up. Yeah, yeah, I remember him from the documentary today. I don't remember his name off the top yeah, of Hassan, my head. Either, Hassan. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um where was I going with this? So yeah, so I, I followed Lee's career for a long time and then kind of disappeared off the radar because he went to like PSV Eindhoven and that was around the time when the internet wasn't really popping yet. And, and he went to Vietnam, which is the equivalent of, of falling off the radar. And when he came back to MLS and went on the revs, like he just went on this tear and, and I reached out to him and I was like, yo, like I, I'm a freelance filmmaker. I do stuff for us soccer. Um, I know you got capped by the team a few times and um, I'm pretty sure you have, you have a crazy story. And, and we we connected like the first time we met was at like a was like at a nail salon right like you can't get more Vietnamese Fire. in there. Fire. Lemon's dying right now, dude. Look at it. <laughs> and um, I mean, filmmaking is, is documentary filmmaking is it's just about trust, man. And you know, I, I let him know, like I, I intimated to him, like I want to tell your story. I want to tell the story of the Vietnamese American experience and um i mean from there it, it was all going and we made this documentary it took took three years to make it was crazy um because i mean i came out i came in on the ground level like during the process of making it i didn't even know if i'll get clearance on all this footage and you know thank goodness nbc sports came in and then you know they greenlit the story and um i mean i'm blessed man like it's it's we could have made like a longer thing but um, I don't know. Everything happens for a reason. Like maybe it would have been too long for people to digest. So 22 minutes might've been the sweet spot, but I mean, Lee's yeah, at home, man. He's a good dude. Very unassuming. Um, I mean, you say you talked to him a bunch of times and he's unassuming. And, um, I mean, he always surprises me because when we would go to Vietnam and film, like you would walk into a room, man. And like, he was sucked the air out of the room. Like he, he, he's a legit idol in Vietnam. And, um, I mean, it, it's palpable, dude. Like, when, when he goes to Vietnam, like, the people really, it, he means something to them because, you know, he did something that no one else has done yet. So, um, I mean, I, I'm just blessed to have, have been part of the experience. Like, it's, I played such a small part in making that film. Like, it was just about making sure that, that I got his story out. Like, I, I was just a passenger along for the ride. I mean, that story being- on... Alfonso's being kind to himself. You guys should watch it. Go yeah, ahead, Josh. Watch that shit. <laughs> I mean, the story on the nail salon, the entrance of it is is incredible. I think when he Amazing. was uh, when LAFC and Lee did um, they did a Vietnamese Lee Win shirt um, kind of drop. They had their meet and greet. Um, they had a dinner at Boiling Crab, you know, and it just was hey, like, you know, he just out Boiling Crab. Yeah, shout hey. out to Boiling Crab all the time. Um, but it's just like. I know, and he's really important to this kind of Southern California, um, Asian American and Vietnamese American community. I know he runs soccer camps out here every summer. And like my boss, who I brought to um, games before, like he's, you know, was a ref, like grew up as a refugee kid, like, like, but it's like, 
cement like purely like an orange county dude now right mm -hmm. and he has a little boy um and kai and max and like the way that max looks at lee is is is, is crazy and you realize like it's you know what i don't really like kids to be honest but like sometimes <laughs> you, got, <laughs> you, you see through you see through their yeah. eyes you know and it's like oh this is what the big big hoop was and i was like max is like oh my god this is crazy. like the, the way that he moves on 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 the field on the pitch and just having like his um his dad's name is Win, so like having Win twenty four on the back of his uh, back of his kid and not being a personalized kid, like I know how much that means. I know what representation means. And leave for the for the brief time we had him, man. It was we talked about it when he um he was selected in the expansion draft, man. It was the first departure from LAFC where the entire community was like, this is this is the one that hurt in our in our young history. This is the first one that hurt. Yeah, and that's the kind of guy he was through and through. Yeah, man. Facts. Kevin, did you, and, Kevin, no, did you ahead. grow up watching? Did you watch? Did you follow Lee's career pretty closely? Like, what was what was it like watching a guy like that play? Yeah, man. When I first found out about him, I was like, damn. Like, it, kind of what I'm trying to do for the younger generations now is what I went through watching Lee. So he kind of motivated me and showed me that I can be up there one day too. And it's pretty much what Lee and I are doing as well now. Yeah, continuing the same thing you know, opening doors for the generation. Because there's so many American ballers out here but just trying to open up doors for them, show them that they can yeah. do it too. And I know he's been doing summer camps out here for a long time, even before he became an LAFC player, uh, probably in the OC area. Uh, maybe, you know, somehow get you connected with doing those programs with him. That would be dope. Oh, yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. We'll make that happen for sure. Dude, hell yeah, man. And it's – it's wild. I think you guys kind of occupy interesting spaces here. You know, you, I, the respect goes out to you guys so evenly because I think you guys are, you know, fearless in what you do. And I think y'all are taking different routes. And I think we're really used to about hearing from Asian Americans and Asian American creators and players and all that. And that, I mean, that, that's, that's just really unique on your guys. end. I think one thing that connects us all is like that, the style kind of portion of it and, the high piece feature of it, you know, it's like I, I saw um, Alfonso for for the roots were were featured on high piece about their new kit, and that's another distinction we share with um, with Matt Wolf was I didn't know was the designer of the Oakland Roots kit this year, which is wild because like he's he's seen as as some kind of deity here in. Uh, in is LA that the kit you lost? No, is that, that the kit you lost? Oh, tell him the story. Man. Tell him the story of the kit you lost, Josh. Yeah, because uh -oh. you're a drunk piece of shit. <laughs> so, so me, 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 and Big Bro Alfonso were talking earlier. He was gracious enough to um, to link me with some people at um, Oaklandish and and talk and trying to get me some merch and you know and uh, I. Oh, you make your side deals now. All right. Yeah, yeah. No, this, this, this is a side. FC, FCFC is not concerned about this shit. Okay, it doesn't concern me. But no, it was just I, I wanted to buy a kit and I wanted to buy a kit for a friend and then um, I was there for a Raider game. And we were uh, doing very Raider things, and um, I lost the kit that I bought, so eighty dollars went down. But I, I hopefully a good resident of Oakland is enjoying <laughs> the kit right now. And um, wait, I didn't even know you lost it the day of. You're so trashy. Yeah, yeah, I'm a. I got yeah, you. I got you, Josh. <laughs> I got you, bro. No, that's no, hilarious, man. dude. Seeing honestly, seeing the whole like Oaklandish stuff, and like honestly, I've been a Raider fan forever. Weirdly enough, I know I'm from the East, but been a Raider fan since I was like in fifth grade or some shit like that. And um, seeing how much Oakland rides for their teams 
is so cool, you know? And I think Oakland has always had this idea of style and substance together in one thing, you know, being an underdog and being kind of underrepresented in a lot. But, um, yeah, man. Yeah, like, Oakland, you know, Oakland Oakland got the most educated thugs I've ever met. It's amazing. Oh, for sure. Dude, hell yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Before, before I start quoting some uh... – some souls of mischief lyrics over here. All right. I want to, I want to kick it to Alfonso and just tell us a little bit about, cause I want to know how Oakland has been interacting with this team so far and like how, how the city's sort of responded. Cause it's, it's, is it two and a half season, two and a half years old ish or am I, am I off? Yeah. I would say it was established in 2018, but um, like operations wise in terms of a actual soccer team, it kind of started around, August, the same time, like, Cal United was pretty much yeah. operating. So um, it all kicked off at the same time. So it's, it's, it's very young, for sure. But, um, I mean, we have, a like, the people behind the scenes are, like, very OG. Like, we have a community advisory board, um, like, you know, from local businesses to, you know, skateboarding to, like, just the OGs of the community. And before we do anything, like, we, we always go to them for their blessing because – Oakland is, wow. um, it, it, it's fastly changing and we always want to make sure to, to represent the community um, as honestly as possible. Cause um, I mean, a lot of people always talk about our branding and like to be a sustainable soccer club or, or sports club, like you gotta give something for people to keep coming back to. Right. So, you know, we, we gotta be on our shit with our branding. Right. But um, mm -hmm. I mean, at the heart of it, it is the community. Like, if we don't have the community's blessing, like, you know, what, what does it even mean? So, I mean, my, my head's just going crazy over here yeah. thinking about, I mean, and look, you know, I've, I'm, I haven't spent lots of time in Oakland. A buddy of mine's a lawyer in downtown Oakland. And sometimes I go and, you know, he, you know, basically he helps people who, you know, have disabilities get, you know, protection um, from the state and stuff like that. And, That's what's up. you know, we, 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 I was there when the Warriors won whatever championship we were in Oakland and one of the, one of them in there while I was visiting him. And, and I remember walking by this mural with all the different uh, Bay area teams on it. And of course, San Jose earthquakes was not one of them. Right. And mm -hmm. the soccer identity of the Bay area, although, you know, it has a history in like teams like the San Francisco, uh, San Francisco deltas, right. Which mm -hmm. uh, Mark Dos Santos, the assistant for LAFC before he went up to Vancouver, was a mm -hmm. coach at the deltas. Um, I think there was some other LAFC staffers that came over from that team. Now it's just recent history that, you know, Georgie Best, I think, ended up playing for a team over in San Francisco. I forget the name of that one uh, after he played for the Aztecs. But like, like I, you know, and the Bay and LA sometimes have this like rivalry. It's, the San Jose games have been hilarious on LAFC side just because of how many fans they bring up there. But for me, it would be an incredible, incredible to watch a community club get built there and i can't imagine a place that would i mean your your brain just like reels with the possibilities of how and i think a lot of the brand, brandings like spoke to what that would look like visually but just this the spirit of the community imagine if like what josh went to when he went to the black hole and and got to go see the the raiders stuff like you know 20 years from now if if there were elements of that dashed in with like that thick community feel that oakland has always had that i've always known through rap music and writing about rap music in mm -hmm. Oakland and in, in the Bay Area, I mean, Oakland has always been the place. Arguably, like they led the way in California, even including in LA, LA at times. So mm -hmm. um, I, I just think that like I, I could couldn't be happier that something like this exists. It's so 
awesome to hear someone like you as part of it. And I know, you know, hearing about the community side and, you know, here in quarantine life, no football anywhere. Like we all know the reason LAFC is so meaningful to all of us is because of the community part. And that, that even more than like anything is why people come back, you know, like long-term yeah. and, how, and how you That's grow right. something that, that has those deep, for lack of a better word, roots. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like slim Josh, you guys want to chime Green in about high you guys... is soccer. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That would be amazing. Hell yeah, just dreadlocks everywhere in, in, in the supporters section. Like, that would be great. <laughs> I mean, Sam, so Sam and I are both um, supporters in, like, the uh, 3252 uh, Independent Supporters Council of LAFC. And Sam actually is, you know, the uh, to his credit, like, the loudest voice to try to bring more hip-hop culture into supporter U.S. supporter culture, especially for LAFC. And I think that comes from his love of Atlanta rap music, L.A. rap music, California rap music in general, man. And so... Like, honestly, like, hearing about music from the Bay was very new to me when I when I moved out here. But figuring Ain't out, nothing like... nothing like some good Bay music, bro. Shout, dude, shout out Pilo doing it for the Asian Americans, too. Hey, yeah, shout out Pilo. <laughs> always, always, always. Yeah, no, I'm just born, saying, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, hip-hop and Asian... I mean, that's the dope thing. Like, we, this is why we do this podcast and why we, we talk about these different things is because, like, the 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 inner changing of cultures, like, you know, is, is the most beautiful part of like what soccer culture has brought to LAFC and to, to people like me and Josh. Uh, um, we're like, yeah, we're, we're mobbing with like 50, 60, you know, Mexicans and Salvadorians to a Korean barbecue spot who, you know, always felt like they wanted to try it, but felt like they didn't belong. And, you know, you kind of, you kind of open the gates to those, those types of things and places. And it's, it's why we, you know, continue to do this. Love it, man. Dude, it's awesome, man. I think we're talking about like style and distinct flair. And Kev, I saw you modeling the new uh, 2020 Korea kit, baby. Oh, Let's go. Hey, yeah, yeah, man. That uh, was that came out about out nowhere. Here, man. Huh? Let's go. That's what I'm here for. You're getting your Anjun Hwan here. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Anjun Hwan here. Beautiful. Hey, Yo, in a few hey, months, I... my hair's going to be wavy like this. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you where to get that bomb perm, bro. On <laughs> 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 Western, huh? I'm just kidding. You got to go to Kawi Tori on Western, bro. That's where the perm comes from. Oh, my God. This one really knows the name of this spot. Oh, my God. Yeah, talk. Talk to us about Yo, that. Yeah, that, can, that actually, yeah, it was sick. It actually came out of nowhere. Um, Cal United, we have like a Nike rep that comes out and he has his, you know, test out like prototypes and stuff like that. So we have like a Nike rep with us um, most of the time at practices. And uh, one day he hit us up and he, he hit up like three, four of us and was like, hey, you guys want to do a shoot for uh, soccer.com and Nike? So, and I was like, yeah, I'm in. And then we were, you know, shooting for like some cleats and stuff. And then yeah. um, they were talking on the side. They're like, hey, we need to go to Koreatown and, and shoot this jersey. I'm like, what? That's me. Like, I'm from Koreatown. <laughs> I got to I got, use me, man. Use me. So <laughs> they ended up using me for that shoot. And that's how it happened. I, you know, I'm so happy that's I got to do that. Dope. What yeah. do you think of the new crest? Ah, oh, mixed feelings about the new crest. Right. I, I, I you, like it, that. It, I like that the one you have on right there. I mm-hmm. like I like how yeah, that's OG man. He can't OG. Yep. It's perfect, right man. There. It's perfect. I heard someone say it looks like a, a, 
a ping pong team crest. Bro, that shit made me so upset. They're trying to be like modern and you know trying to help everything, but I don't know, man. For me, the best Korea jersey is the. I don't know. Maybe it's because that was like my first spark for soccer, but it's the. It's a 2002 with the with the with the circle in the middle, number in the in the circle. That's that's my. I mean that's, that's iconic, right? That was the Nike yeah. template at the time. I, I almost remember that template more for freaking um phenomenal Ronaldo ro- rocking it with the hair and then <laughs> destroying everybody with that. Cause like that, yeah. that, that image together with his cleats on is like one of the most like iconic yeah. soccer images of all time. But oh yeah, so it's cool, man. I think it's super interesting to see Nike is really smart with their strategy. I know this kind of um from researching and studying them forever and like they've really chosen korea as like one of their new like emerging market like important cultural conversations yep. on the same pace as nigeria france and england right those and the u.s kind of gets i don't know the u.s is fine but those, those no, four like not. get like super unique designs and yep. so i think it's it's a weird time man i i, I was talking to ben uh ben chi who works as um kind of uh yo sam what's ben do for the club why, why he does everything for the club he's a lot of merchandising for them but he he's also like the floors bro yeah he's, he's some jan- janitorial staff there at la <laughs> but he's really big into you know bringing korean culture in there as well but seeing okay. asian culture being put on my, not only by the major corporations but kind of getting co-signed from the soccer universe it's wild man i was just thinking back i'm, I'm writing a couple pieces for um lafc's um like blog 1332 blogs and just thinking back in the 2018 World Cup, and uh, I remember watching um, the Mexico-Korea game with uh, Mexican homies, yep. and mm-hmm. they look the way that they. Um, it's weird because like Sun is like our, you know, is our guy, yeah. right? So like you never know how people are treated, like who are like kind of of your ilk, you know, of your kind kind of thing. But like the way that the Mexican fans supporters looked at Sun was like straight up like he's a star and we fear him. And I just was like, yeah, that's crazy for us to have that guy on, you know, mm-hmm. on our side for the first time, really. And have Baby that face and all assassin, that. bro. Yeah, it's crazy. And like to be a bona fide star and probably maybe other than maybe like Chabo Mugun, like one of the, the most ta- physically talented um, players in the history of the Korean football. Like mm-hmm. we're living in that time right now. And Kev, even talking to you um, as a player right now, and Alfonso who does all the creative behind the whole team together, but it is this kind of, I think, wave, this momentum building for not only Asian-American creators, but Asian-American talent throughout the the world and the sport of football. Man. It's crazy. It's really, mm-hmm. it's an exciting time to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of like Kevin's out there creating the story. Alfonso, Alfonso's curating and telling that story, and we're the assholes that get drunk and enjoy the story. That's what I'm saying, dude. That's what we're here for, dog. No, but hey, but but stories are important, you know. And yeah. all all elements of it, all all the all the pieces are important. And I and I will say this because it's something Alfonso said in the very beginning, you know, talking about like how we don't want a culture that's derivative of something else, right? We don't want culture. We don't want all, Josh. You know, you brought up the history, the 150 years of football history that's out there in the world. But for me, one of the most exciting things about watching stories unfold participating in the st- telling of those stories especially you know when they, you got people like alfonso and kevin involved is that we are pushing up we're, we're going uphill there's resistance there there isn't it in america yet there's there's all this untapped stuff and for me like 
even you know at, even as like a non-asian american i can i know that like for some reason it makes sense that that could happen here in like in america right it, these explosions of asian american culture could happen here in this in this country with this game right um states like california obviously like have an upper hand, but I mean, Lee came from, from Texas, right? Like, and, and the mark that he left there is probably immeasurable for us. And I just think that like part of what's so exciting about being in and around this game is the possibility and the fact that it's not huge yet. I've always said, you know, I'm an Arsenal fan till I die. But if I, if they're like, Hey, do you want to come like cover Arsenal? It would kind of, it would be cool for like three weeks and then it would bore the shit out of me. Because it's already the established narrative. It's already there. It's already happened. You're just running through the same old gears. Whereas here, like something like Oakland Roots is possible. The idea and dream of big, building something from scratch, like we saw that we saw transpire with our own eyes at LAFC. Like this shit, I, I, I want Kevin and Alfonso to know from like a boots on the ground perspective. It was insanity. It was insanity how this happened. This was not, now I was, as we look at it and you guys see the North End and you see how insane it is, like, you know, like in the beginning, it was like all just these little placards that were going out, like, come design this thing with us. We might have a stadium in city of industry. It's like, Oh really? Like you guys really want us to come do this thing. And of course, like Josh and slim getting involved with the hours that they put on the supporter things one side, but for, you know, but for me, who's always loved the game and like the story side of it, I mean, impossible stories are possible in this game in this sport in this you know in this country right now um and i think that oh not right now well kind of right now even though we're in quarantine but like you know i just think that we're we're lucky that it hadn't been established quite at that that peak level yet because now it's opening up these doors at a time where we want more voices from more places and like you know what better place for us to see them to manifest through this game so I have a question. Yeah, that's awesome. I have a question for you guys. So I'm big on, I mean, we, we all kind of come from crazy inner city backgrounds like LA, Bronx. I mean, Kevin, you out in Brazil, bro. So I'm a big believer that, you know, a lot of culture or like the best culture that emits, that, that gets out there, that floats to the top, it comes from like, like it's, like we're rough around the edges, but like the flavors are in the margins, right? And I think like that that's why the, the hood always like comes to prominence, right? So mm. like as LAFC aficionados and day ones, like what's kind of like the compromise that you guys have with being authentic to LA, like yeah, to LA and California and, and to your story and also getting it out to the masses, right? Because that that, that could always be a balance. Like they're like, Oh, like they're commercializing or whatnot. So. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, if you look in our comments, you'll always see plastic fans, plastic fans. Um, but it's when you, it's really just when you're in that community, when you're in that community and you're part of it and you're with everyone, like all the outside voices don't matter as much because we've, you know, somehow the club has made it and put it in our heads that, hey, you guys are a part of this, take ownership of it, and let's run together. And somehow they got everybody to believe that. Mm. And I mean, like, I, I always say this, uh, and, you know, if, if anyone knows about LAFC or have been around it in the ethos of it, they, they know who Rich Orozco is. And I always say, like, if Rich was a bad, like, acid trip away from starting a cult, 
because the way he <laughs> he got all these people to to believe in this thing and and brought all these pieces of the community that probably would never intermingle unless it was for this thing called football in LAFC. Like, I just, it's incomprehensible to me too. Like he just, you know, it's, it's rare. It's, it's kind of old school marketing versus new school marketing. There's some clubs that have been around and, and you know, they were like, Hey, like we're dope. Come check us out. Like, this is the product. Whereas, you know, like you said in the beginning, like LAFC somehow found a way to really, get into the community and build it brick by brick. And when you yeah, see man. it built that way, it, you know, you just keep wanting to build it. Yeah. And to add on to what, what Sam is saying right now, I think what's, what's kind of added to my journey, understanding of this is like, because Slim and I are in meetings with like 3252 leaders and what, and they, the independent supporters council, they actually demand a lot from the club, you know, and that's always been like, my my thing is always like I'm a little uncomfortable like like going against the grain and stuff, but I've been told a lot of cool things about how to how to truly help, and um like they keep tick North End ticket prices are so low, you know that's what I'm saying. Like it starts at twenty bucks, twenty bucks. I've also found out about things about um a lot of supporter groups travel by bus for crazy away days because there's a lot of undocumented immigrants who are part of their supporters, you know, who, who they want to protect and they can't fly anywhere. And so like things like that constantly add to each other. And then you realize like who we're protecting is probably the most marginalized in LA, probably the least looked at in LA, but also the probably the core and central parts of LA. Like that's like through and through, like those are all, they'll all kind of symbolize and, and, and gravitate around the same thing. And so, in my head, it's always protecting the people who uh, who love the supporter culture, and that's that's the people, honestly, who um, who build this thing together. And sometimes those people can't really afford anything past North End tickets. I love that's why we keep prices at least in the North End low. Yeah. Yeah, Alfonso. The only thing I'll add to that, um, you know, is that there's this really there's this important flip that uh, the management did at LAFC and. Uh, Rich, uh, who Josh was just referring to, was a big part of that. Uh, and he's sort of the community, you know, and uh, you, you could call it a traditional marketing department head. Uh, but, you know, he handed over ownership of what this was going to be from the beginning to us, to everyone who is a part of it. And when you have ownership over something, like, you got to understand, this, it sounds crazy, but I feel like I, LAFC belongs to me. Like Slim feels like it belongs to him. Josh feels like it belongs to him. None of us are owners, but we feel like we own it because things that we did or were involved with somehow like directly influenced what happened. And the people that we met there always felt real. So on the outside, like to Slim's comment about plastic fans and things like that. Um, yeah, like, yeah, they're, they're already 4th of July uh, uh fireworks going off in my neighborhood don't worry guys they're not coming over the fence. people from carson aren't coming over the fence trying to get me right now you know? so, yeah no in the hood in the hood the practice shots start no. off around around me so so uh yeah like you know the plastics thing and and any criticism right of something on the outside like especially when it looks too good people scramble to make a narrative for what happened because it's so like a phenomenon like what happened with lfc is so out of control mm -hmm. but on the on the boots on the ground level, it was just this one by one, like spread of, of belief and, and also like 
open door policy. Like, yeah, what's your idea? Like I wrote an mm-hmm. article called dear LAFC. I love you. Don't fuck it up. Here are the 10 things you need to do in Howler like two years before the club launched. And they like did all those things. And I promised to get a tattoo that I still haven't gotten because I'm a coward. But, like, <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, and that's, that's different, right? It's, I think being a fan and being a supporter, are obviously different. We all know, but being a supporter and having a say are also different. There's some supporters that have power and some supporters that don't. And I think front offices of these clubs sort of are either too terrified to bring the supporters in like that because they don't want to lose power mm-hmm. or they just don't see, or the supporters aren't willing to take it. So here at LAFC, at least right now, and that could always change. There's a good balance of that. I mean, the club trusts the supporters because part of the reason LAFC is what it is. I mean, you can, we all have marveled about how they play on the field, but like when people go to the stadium, they don't end up leaving the stadium talking about what happened on the field. Usually they end up talking about the 3252, especially, yeah, especially people who went there for the first time, you know? Mm. That's amazing, man. I still got to go there. I kind of jinxed it. I remember um, I had him into LAFC game and you guys are playing real Salt Lake. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll come to the next playoff game. It hurts. It doesn't really hurt anymore. <laughs> no, honestly, like our hardest losses actually are some of our fondest memories in my opinion like you know just because we we don't shut up after we lose um if you watch yeah. even like the seattle uh uh postseason match where we lost last time where they got to the the conference finals i believe no they mm-hmm. won the conference finals over us yeah. but yeah if you if you watch their celebration you can't hear their music because we were singing over it um I, you know, some of you know, a lot of us are like bawling our eyes out, all snotty nose while we're singing. <laughs> but we we don't like to we don't like to let people celebrate without hearing us a little. More. Yeah, and like Kevin, Kevin's seen it before. Kevin's over here. Those of you who can't see on digital rectangles near you. Kevin's over here nodding because he's been to Paranaense games. He's seen Os Fanaticos go like fucking yeah. camp, full ninety. They go, they go. Tell us a little bit about the atmosphere out there, man. Out there. There, man, the, the games were crazy. They, you know, they close off for like the hard die, die hard fans. They close off a section. They can't leave. They got guards, you know, guarding them because they will cross the stadium and go to the other side. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, that's it was just crazy. That was the first time I saw like real die hard fans singing 90 minutes, like going after it. It was amazing, man. Yeah, what is it like for you, man, to see kind of LAC come into, you know, come into its own as someone who's like grew up here and probably felt like there should be a new new aspect of you know an mls culture that's that's yeah because when you you were growing up there was no real either there was mls there there was galaxy but there was no soccer culture out here well i've I've always known of lafc there there was a youth team called lafc and i'm pretty sure there's a connection there Um, i'm not sure how was rich was in charge of that yeah and his high school buddy who somehow knew knew uh Henry Wynn who was the guy who you know mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. kickstarted this whole thing mm-hmm. um yeah they they googled Los Angeles football club and they were like hey I know that guy from high school yeah. it's not, yeah, no, it's, not that, always where, it's not always where I promote one of our our own episodes but if you if you got to go back go back and listen to the episode with Tway and Ty because that explains this whole connection that you're talking about but yeah Kevin you're spot okay. on there was an yeah. LAFC Los Angeles football club mm-hmm. with that 
so yeah i had a few friends play there and you know i was out in europe and they're telling me like oh they're gonna go into the mls you know they're gonna create a team they're gonna you know an expansion team and whatnot and when it finally happened man like coming fresh like freshly coming back from europe i saw what, what lafc had formed and it was similar to what i the environment and the culture and and the passion that i saw in europe Wow. As opposed to, you know, what I see in MLS uh, usually. And so I thought that was very eye-opening and good to see. That, I mean, that, that makes me feel all warm inside and fuzzy inside. It's awesome. <laughs> Dude, it's, Kev, so are you, are you training right now? Are you guys back on the, on the pitch? Are you guys allowed no, to play? No, What's no going on? Training. What's going on with you? No, uh, our teams, you know, team told us we're still off, and so we're just every we're doing everything individually. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So what's what's the day? What's yeah. the day to day of, you know, of an oh, athlete man. like in this time, man? It's tough. I try to work out twice a day at least. I'll get like a like a long run in in the morning, and I'll go to the field uh, midday and get some ball working, keep everything sharp. But other than that, that's, that's the most I can do. <laughs> I'll hit up like a buddy. We'll train with like one or two guys, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. our limit right there. Yeah, that's wild. It's tough. Have you um, have you seen what? Have you guys been catching up with like K League and Bundesliga and like how to kind of get your kicks that way? Oh, just like watching games. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah of course, uh, but most like me and my buddies, we've been watching like reruns, like watch Champions League, like, yeah. oh, you know, PS, I was watching PS, I was watching the Barcelona PSG comeback the other day, man, that was crazy. Bro, I watched the whole thing, it was crazy. Yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> watching that again, I'm just like, oh my God. Oh, we are so bored at home. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, we, is there anywhere you want to go with tea time? I mean, yeah. So I hope you guys are ready for it. Josh, um, are we going to do bonus content, too, for the Patreon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we'll have uh, – How much – do you guys have time? Alfonso and Kevin, do you guys have time right now? Yeah, I got time. Hang out a little bit more? Okay, yeah, cool. Let's do it. Um, well, usually when you guys are in the backyard with us, which one day I'll cordially invite you to the backyard in person when all of this is over and we can do this all again um, – I do a little segment called Tea Time with Dweez, where we talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. No, that's not true. <laughs> just, just go wherever we want. I, I drink a lot of tea. I wish I wasn't just the hipster dude with the hat and the mustache, <laughs> the fucking tea shit. But, you know, I got to play into the trope sometimes, guys. I do it for the people. It's what the people want. Uh, so uh, tonight I'm drinking uh, a, a little bit of Phoenix oolong tea right here from my, from my girl out there in the San Gabriel Valley. E-Man. Hey. Do you know what's dope about E-Man and Tea Habitat? They sent, she sent like hundreds of tea bags to, uh, to New York City hospitals when things were really bad there. So shout out to wow. E-Man. Support your local fucking tea shop. Tea Habitat on Instagram. She doesn't even know about this. And my dream is one day she emails me and she's like, stop talking about my tea with a bunch of soccer <laughs> hooligans. Um, so anyhow, I'm drinking this. But what I really want to talk about, guys, is I want to talk about what your most embarrassing uh, quarantine memory is so far. And I'll start because I have spent the last two and a half days watching Crash Landed Into You with my, my lady, all right, which is a Korean drama. Slim knows about it. And let me just tell you something. These episodes are an hour and a half long, okay? Yeah. They're an hour 
small film. <laughs> He's getting sucked into the K-drama. <laughs> and the crazy part is, if you condemn, you just cut out the slow motion kissing scenes. Like if you just cut, if you just cut the slow motion kissing scenes, these episodes would be like 40 minutes long. Like they, they'd be doable, you know, but because not only do they do the slow motion kissing scenes with all the tears. You're so upset them, that Sachi has a crush them. on this and Korean then, drama star right now. <laughs> <laughs> then they repeat them. They repeat, they repeat the, the kissing scene. So it's just insanity. I just want to come clean right now on like whatever Monday night. We sit up to like three in the morning. She was crazy. And I'm just stunned that I am as interested in it as I am. And I'm embarrassed, but I'm riding. And so I'm going to start with Josh because he's over there always looking embarrassing. What is the worst thing? What is the worst thing you've done? During what is the worst thing you've done during quarantine where you're just like, man, I would never have done this if it wasn't for quarantine, but I'm going to give myself this excuse. Um... I for a hot second there I had a I had a quarantine uh, quarantine bay I, I was seeing a quarantine girl for a little bit you know and uh, <laughs> is this the type of bay that you just didn't want to be seen out in public with is that why it was no, it's not like that for real it's not like that for real but uh I think so I think we had some serious issues because I was so trash at washing dishes and she'd get really upset at me that like I was so bad at it and so because I thought I was doing a good job she's like this this soap suds everywhere like there's obviously you didn't put the time into it and i just couldn't understand what the problem was and so, <laughs> oh but that's uh, good though at least the issue wasn't that you like missed food it was that you left too much soap on yeah yeah i don't know man maybe it was a mix of food and soap both on this the- is why josh is single bro you can't do dishes he don't like kids and he barely likes dogs like, you're you're a pretty horrible person that's I mean, that, at the heart of it the true dickhead is i you know this this whole thing. yeah you're you're kind of <laughs> piece of crap that's funny i like that Josh, that's, that's good. That's, I'm, I'm happy slim why don't you tell us why uh you know what what have you done during quarantine that you would have never done before um in a, to, in a like thanks mode. to all the fucking gaming that like our, our 3252 is doing on cod and rocket league and stuff like i'm watching people play video games and i used to talk so much shit on people like I'm like why why would you guys watch other people play video games play your own fucking video games, and I'm I started doing it so I'm I'm a loser. <laughs> so did you watch? Did you are you watching like when when Cuervos play uh, when Cuervos play so, Empire players? Are you like parking on your well, couch? Some yeah, no, no, like because they'll put it in the chat. So I I watch them play. Yeah, like that, and then uh, Cuervos played against uh, the Riot Squad from Galaxy a couple nights ago. We swept them. Yeah. Um, and I'm sitting there like getting excited and cussing at my TV about like COD. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm fucking whack. <laughs> so, so Alfonso and, and Kevin, if you guys are weirded out that like all of LAFC is still hanging out together online playing video games, I think that's indicative of how like these people don't even need, no, none of us need uh, soccer to hang out anymore. Like, like it's trans, it's transcended that as That's a community to not even need, there's a film, there's a film club viewing soon, Josh and Slim and I all do things that are completely unrelated to football. I go through people's plays. We're just, we're just doing some weird things out here and it's all, it's all possible, but I do want to hear, you know, you guys, we're all getting to know each other here. So you don't have to like put all of your business out in the world, but what, what have you done during quarantine that like maybe you wouldn't in your wildest dreams want to do had we not been in quarantine? You want to go first, Kevin? 
Oh, I'm trying to think of one, man. I'm I, this whole time. I'm trying to think of one. I'm, I'm all right, like, I got one. What, what you think? All right, go, go ahead, go ahead. Um, so I'm a huge Travis Scott fan, and hey. I was just like creating a mood board of because my favorite color is um, <laughs> uh, like denim color. Like, what's the proper term? Indigo. Indigo. Yeah, indigo. I fuck with indigo too. Yeah, That's a good favorite color. That's a good. Yeah, man. So I was creating a mood board and. Like Travis Scott was the top of my mood board, and I was like, you know what? If Travis can make a music career, I'm gonna do it. So I downloaded an auto tune app. Let's and, yeah, man. So I just created tracks. No way. Oh, man. Bro, that's the bonus that's content, awesome. bro. Yo, Patreon, Patreon listeners, you guys will listen. Long gone. I don't even know anymore, man. We just got thirty-five dollars. <laughs> we can spend on that track, bro. For the last, <laughs> you want to license your track? Wait, <laughs> tell me, tell me, you created oh, a moniker God. and it has the word indigo in the moniker. Wow. <laughs> no, I didn't get that far. Oh man, I love that, Alfonso. That's a great. That's not even embarrassing. That's just awesome. Because yeah. I've all is, my whole sick. life I've talked shit about other people creating music and criticize them and you you know you just like sitting there like man i like travis scott like, let's see how i can do this and you went for it i love that there's alcohol involved as soon as it warms there up. always is man there's <laughs> always a little alcohol involved with a great idea and horrible ones too well okay was, kevin, what are you drinking? Kevin. What are you drinking? i want to know what what you're drinking right now dude what's everyone drinking talking to me yeah Casamigos. Kevin's still training, so he can't be drinking right now. Yeah, I'm a man. I'm a mission, man. Period. Yeah, hey. Kevin, you serious, dude? Keeping it light. Yeah, man. That's what I was saying. Like, I'm, I'm pretty disciplined. So, like, my day to day hasn't changed since quarantine, except training on my own. So, I'm pretty much doing the same thing day to day. But, I mean, man, I'm trying to think of something embarrassing. I think. <laughs> I feel like I think you can just say that you can't relate to anyone else because you're that laser focused. <laughs> goals <laughs> I like, guess everyone, so, like everyone out here is like losing their minds in one way or another like people aren't washing dishes people are watching people play video games yeah. downloading auto tune apps watching korean dramas <laughs> i'm out here focused to a t on a daily and that right there folks, yeah i mean perfect oh, time to perfect yeah perfect time to take advantage of all this time to train even more so better yourself so Damn, yeah. all this time to train even more i don't want to yeah. play against kevin i, do not I don't know man i'm, I'm fluffy gang for life so i, don't, I, I can't <laughs> i can't comprehend uh, like this i'll watch you i'll, I'll watch you run. Asian, bro <laughs> <laughs> That's the Asian discipline right there, bro. Hell yeah. yeah. Hey, Kevin, wait. When you were on yeah. OC, I, this, I just remembered I was going to ask you this. When you were on Orange mm -hmm. County, uh, yeah. were you there at the same time as Rodrigo Pacheco? The LAFC? Yeah, so he, he came into the season a little late. He came into the season a little late. I, I want to say a little past halfway of the season. Um, but, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. We still talk. He's kind of oh, back in Argentina. So here's a yeah. tri trivia question for all the LAFC faithful which i'm sure al rate hasn't put on the trivia night which i think has been going on there's a trivia night for lafc too i think it's been going on while we've been talking um so i went down to one orange county game uh got to go see oc great park right it's the name of the pitch mm -hmm. uh, right All before right. fc the the season before lafc starts it was in the spring i think mm -hmm. running into or i'm sorry it was the winter running into what would then be the spring i think they were playing reno and uh, Rodrigo played, and he scored. And it was the first time. So he was already technically like an LAFC player, but he was out on loan. Mm -hmm. 
Orange yeah, County. we had uh, yeah, uh huh, exactly. We had like two or three players like that on our team. Yeah, Monday, Monday Etim and Carlos exactly, Albert were also there. I think yep. Mon- Monday wasn't there we go. Even, wasn't even on the pitch. He was I saw, actually saw him in the in the stands. He was the second player for LFC. Yeah. First one was uh mm-hmm. was Carlos Alvarez. Uh, exactly. But Carlos, I think he plays for Las Vegas Lights or did last time I checked. Um, but he's he at a in- SD Loyal now, okay. San Diego. Loyal. Okay, so he was in the, he was in the he was in the game. I think that night, and then Rodrigo Pacheco came on as a sub, and he scored. And it was the first mm-hmm. time that LAFC player technically has ever scored a goal. Uh-huh, he was true. on he was on loan, right? Yeah. With uh-huh. OC, and so you know the first time that they they had scored. Maybe you could argue Carlos because you got signed and then went and still played for Sociedad and also scored. So someone would have right. to like do the crazy math on that. But I uh, I, I came down so so Rodrigo, you know, he came and he played briefly at LAFC. But I was always excited because mm-hmm. I wanted LAFC to have an Argentine presence. Um, but it's good to hear mm-hmm. that you guys are still in touch and that he's doing well. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's doing well out there. Was it, you know, now you've you've played at several different clubs, you've played in several different countries. Like, mm-hmm. you know, given given all these different things, like what what would be the ideal scenario for you like which city would you play in if you could play anywhere in the world like let's dream a little let's dream a little big kevin we're all in our oh, room big, right big okay i want to dream big oh oh man at this point in my career you guys already know i want to be the first you know hometown korean american to be on lafc that's my goal yeah. right now. Yeah, that's the type of shit i'd love to hear he, know, he knows what we want to hear. once i once i once i do that once i do that once I do that, the whole K Town community will come out to watch. Not that they do, they don't, but I'm sure we'll oh, they the don't. community out there. <laughs> I don't know about the whole. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we try to get them out. We want to bring you over so we can get that going, bro. For real. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And then, you All know, because right, we, we I have a bunch of, yeah, I have a bunch of uh, Korean American players that I know, uh, younger guys that would will ball out too. So just trying to create yeah, that man, pathway. Hopefully you pay, yeah. Create that, pave the way for him, man. That would be amazing, yeah. and we'll be, we'll definitely be pulling for you. Kev, I got a question for you, bro. Yeah. Um, like, what countries could you represent internationally? So that's a tricky question. I believe I, I could, I can rep South Korea and America. I would have to choose one, obviously, but um, I can rep both. Yeah. Kev, you gotta win a gold medal for Korea, or you gonna go to the Kunde, bro? I don't know if you want to do that. <laughs> Gotta go serve in the military. I know, man. <laughs> if they want me, I'm gonna have to go straight to the Olympics. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh man. Jeff Jung gonna have the gold medal around his neck, bro. That's what we're. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Dweez, anywhere else you want to go with tea time? I think I think I covered I covered it. I made everyone a little uncomfortable. We talked about the <laughs> uh, we got some LAFC trivia stuck in there too. I don't know. I I, I liked Alfonso just like asking questions too. We should just let him leave the podcast next time. Oh yeah, him. dude, you welcome. Oh back. yeah, when he's in the backyard, it's Alfonso takeover, man. Yeah, honestly, you guys are welcome. I mean, we do a year-end barbecue with all the past guests of that season, and so we had like kind of a rager at Dweezy's place. You can imagine with all the fireworks going on, like how crazy it gets. But you guys, <laughs> this is your, now an extended open invite for you guys because you guys need to join us. Fonzo, you have no oh, excuse, yeah. bro. Like, this is, yo, just drive down, bro. Just drive down. Say <laughs> no more. Alfonso and Kevin, you guys want to shout out any of your social handles, the things you're working on, any anything you guys want to you guys want to promote um, for the good people of Los Angeles and elsewhere to check out? Yeah. Gangsters first, Kevin. Oh, okay. 
I mean, I don't have a big social media presence, but I'll just throw my social media out there. Um, if there are any, you know, young Asian American players out there looking for a mentor or anything to help them out, uh, it's K J E O N one zero. That's it. That's K J E O N one zero. K John and ten. Kevin, you. I think what I would like my wildest dreams for you right now is that you get a little messy on social media, bro. You just like get the scandals. You know, you do some crazy <laughs> shit. You got. Dude. Josh, 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 didn't you hear the man? He's training yeah. all the time. The only scandal you're going to get is that he skipped like three push-ups on his last set. <laughs> he got a little hungry. You know, that's about all you're going to get. Oh, you got you to tease the people a little bit, man. They're kind of like the little and I'll be honest. Like, I know, I know I'm a piece of shit because when he said, if there are any young, like, Asian, you know what I mean? I thought he was going to say, if there's any young Asian-American shorties that want to slide into my DMs. <laughs> Yo, that too works, man. Yo, man, I was like, no, yo, that's that shot, my G. <laughs> it's like she's uh, a shot in quarantine, man. Hey, man, <laughs> you never know. I, I, in my honest opinion, it's going to be our generation's baby boom once this is over. Like, people will come out, like, frisky, bro. Oh. Like, so if y'all if y'all trying to mate and stuff, right when the door's open, start rolling out. They're third. Doors open, he says. <laughs> Oh my God. Don't get distracted from your training, bro. We need you. Yeah, we yeah. need you. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I'm going to be there in a little bit. <laughs> Hell yeah. Alfonso, Alfonso, you got any stuff you want to plug? Yeah, a few shout-outs. Uh, shout-outs to my homie, Adris, Tommy, Aaron, Karen, Taylor, <laughs> Cynthia, Consuelo, Steven, and CJ. These are kind of the front office people that we make sure no one gets shined because it's not about us. But I mean, if, if I'm going to give a shout out right now to them and follow hey. Oakland, follow at Oakland Roots and at Project 510, our development academy, where all of the players are from the Bay Area. And yeah, I mean, shout out to you guys. Appreciate the opportunity for you guys letting me and Kevin, you know, tell our experience, our American experience, our Asian American experience. and your uh, Atletico Paranaense experience? Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate you. No, man. Thank yeah, you guys, guys so man. much. We 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 love when you know people are out here like being proactive and and do you know doing great things and and we're glad we got to get you guys on for uh you know to share that story with with our people. Um, and this has been another episode of the FCFC Pod. Uh, thank y'all for tuning in, and uh, we hope to. Kick it with everyone soon because we're starting to get a little lonely. FCFC. FC, FC. FCFC. FC, FC. FCFC. FC, FC. FC, FC. FC, FC.